said is, is that we need to be forthright. We need to say, okay, here's where we are. Here's what, the, here's what these are much smarter people. Uh, the smartest people in the room are saying, this is what we need to do. We're not gonna be in the main sanctuary that gets all the infrastructure done. By the way, all the land, all the, most of the architecture, the bond, all that's paid. It's like $5 million or so already that's already, that's been paid. We're at small, uh, you know, church plant just a few years ago with COVID in the middle of it. It's just extraordinary that God has provided as he's done. And so I just am confident that he's gonna do that. Um, remember when we talked about last week how the created order really reflects the divine attributes of God as we'll see and the kingdom and how it operates. Remember locusts, all that, that they, when we looked at that last week, locusts fly in this amazing rank and that they don't have a leader. That's to me, every penny that will ever be raised or ask, I'm not gonna beg, we're not gonna beg. We're just, when people, I have, meet with people all the time, they say, where are we? I'm just gonna say, there's where we are. And that little gray line will slowly, Laura and I uh, did ours the other day, I didn't tell her yet, but don't tell her, but the gray line right there will begin to go this way and I'll say, we get to here and here and I'm just, I'm just gonna, we're gonna give you updates, that's all. And then we just, and I believe that Church of the Red Door is a bunch of locusts they're gonna somehow fly in rank and something's gonna happen and we're gonna do it. And when that happens, the shovels go on the ground and off we go. And we'll be on the property. We just felt like it was important to be on the property. We, nobody knows where we are. We're at the theater, we're nowhere, we're in my office, now we're back in UCR. We have no drive-by traffic. I think once we get on that place where we've been called, and if you don't know the story, you have to go back and hear the story, right? I mean, it's a wild, crazy story. Why would, why would I think God's going to get us to this point and not get us to the end line? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So is that faith? It's just, it's just being smart. I've watched God provide the entire way for everything that's ever come about, and I know that he will. And that is not a plug. I just say, look, look we're just, we're just going to watch God do it. Because when we finish, we're going to say, look what God did. We're going to look what God did. All right? Let's pray now and try to get into the word. We're gonna talk about the created order, which will now I'm sure be uh, this week and next week. So it started out as a one-week series, turned into a three-week series. And everybody said? Amen. No, everybody said, Jeff, what are you doing? Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for all the glory of your spirit. Lord, my one goal this morning because I've been feeling this over the last week, this has been growing in me. My prayer life is more thriving than it ever has. Why? Because I am so fixated on your glory. Just, just thinking about the created order allows me to think about your revelatory application to the created order. It, it allows me to recognize your goodness, about your attention to detail, all those things. Just as we saw in Revelation 4, they were worshiping because they were saying, this is, this is the powerful force that created all this. So glory be to your name. I pray, Lord, that there's not a person in the sound of my voice that doesn't either walk away from their computer or if they're watching online or if they're watching this two years after the fact somewhere down the road, that they don't just feel an overwhelming sense of who we are dealing with, Lord, and we can't fathom, but we bow before you. Lord, give us a sense of your glory through the word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, when I think deeply about the created order, uh, it really compels me to worship. It compels me to understand who he is. It's just overwhelming. I'm not just talking about a sunset, although it includes that. 
I'm talking about the small. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a relationship. I'm talking about a moment in time that you just relish. And then yet we come, as we're gonna see this morning, we come to a few passages that appear at first glance to make us say, whoa, 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 don't be thinking about things down on the earth. Think about the things above, and Paul does say, say that. So how do we deal with that seeming imbalance, or is it an imbalance, or how do we deal with those passages? Some fall off on, the, as we looked at last week, some fall off on the horse this way, and it turns into some weird sense of asceticism where we just uh, deny any kind of material, and we just we want to remove ourselves. Really a kind of a hearkening back to the Gnostics during the time of Jesus. Greek thought, like a lot of the thought that was, you know, the spirit realm is good, but the material realm is bad and fallen, and even Buddhism today says we have to remove ourselves from a sense of desire and we have to move to a place of non-desire and that's actually where you find nirvana and it just goes on and on. These have always existed in the course of human philosophy somehow because when we look around us we see evil and we say it must be the material realm. And I say hogwash. The material realm can be fallen and it can be used for malevolent purposes, but the material realm is good because God created it and he wanted it. So don't try to be more spiritual than God. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Creation, of course, it's not to be worshipped, but it is to be deeply observed, to be explored. I love science. This will always be... I, I envision someday on that piece of property that we will in some way have an ability to have some, some back and forth with some, the created, some scientists that don't believe in, and, and then some scientists who do and, and have, have these conversations with the community. So, and, and the Lord was worshiping here with us. I can, I can just hear the angels in the background there as we're talking about that this morning. So I know he's for this message. So. Don't leave us now. Just don't leave us now. We finished with this. We're going to segue into the rest of it. Romans chapter 1. I want to look at this again because we didn't finish it last week because I get long-winded sometimes. And Well, it's, but I feel like uh, prayerfully, I, I want this message to sink in. I don't want it to just be a message that you heard and you kind of forget about. I want it, I want it to reposition you in your own mind about I think it's going to just help us all be worshipers. It's going to help us our prayer life improve. All of this improves when we begin to recognize who we're dealing with. So again, Romans chapter 1, verse 19. That which is known about God is evident within everyone, as those people that even rejected God, for God made it evident to them. Now, what does that mean? It was when we look in the created order and we just can't say cosmic chance anymore. And, and as I've told you, more and more scientists are understanding the design and they, that doesn't get them all the way to Jesus. It may not even get them to a per, but it gets them to an intelligent mind. There's just no way that we can dive into the detail of the created order and say it just came out of nothing and just, and the, and the organization, the detail and the, and the, and the laws and all that, immutable laws of nature, I mean, where does that come from? How do you have a law without a lawgiver? I mean, how does all that work? And so intelligent design is on the rise among many who still would call themselves non-believers, people without faith. But something's out there and they know it. Why? Because it's evident. 
And I say it's more evident again now than it's ever been uh, because the ancients, you say, well, they were an unscientific people. Well, they could only see a few stars and, you know, they could see what's going on in the earth. And they had no concept of the detail that we have now. And I have no doubt that over coming years, there will be many who will, it'll even become more detailed and more detailed and more detailed and it'll, it'll have the, well, it'll have the impossibility of being an accident. Absolutely impossible, the, the, the odds are staggering against it. And I've gone into that in sermons in the past. It's just evident. Verse 20 says, for since the creation of the world, and this is what we, before we finished last week, his invisible attributes, so what does the created order do? It gives us an insight into his invisible attributes. His eternal power and his divine nature, those three things have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Now you may not be a follower of Jesus or you may be watching, but there, you are without an excuse to at least understand that there is some kind of something out there, a force, a power, a personal, a personal force that, well, that gives great detail and great structure to the created order without excuse. And then verse 20 says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. It says, if you can look at the created order, you say, well, that's Bible, that is Bible. He said, Jeff, don't be so offensive. If you can look at the created order, God through the apostle Paul says, you've got a foolish heart and it's dark. And Jesus is not afraid to say that. You're blind, you're whitewashed tombstones. You're, why? Because he loves his created order and he wants us to understand. He wants us to grab us by the, by the shoulders and shake us a little bit to where, what are we thinking about? Where, what are we doing? That's pretty much what the Bible does. If you really read it, for all it's worth, it grabs you and it forces you to a place of great humility every single time, every time. Professing to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Birds, well, you know, we think I've, I've, I haven't done any idolatry, gone out and crafted some kind of idol. Nobody in here has ever driven a Thunderbird that you were really, really proud of, <laughs> right? I mean, look at our created order. We don't, we're not making those kinds of idols anymore, at least not in the Palm Springs area. Our idols that we create, we construct out of, you know, and then we live for it, it's materialism. We bow down as if somehow they were gonna give us fulfillment. At some point, you run out of things you can buy. It just doesn't get any higher than that. I guess you finally get a Bugatti and that's like three million bucks and then a tire costs you $26,000 and you wonder why you bought that Bugatti. <laughs> I don't know what is above a Bugatti, I don't know. But it, at some point, we do that now. Now, am I, am I saying, well, we should drive the nastiest car and just, or maybe even walk or take Uber or, you know, maybe go back to chariots or something or horseback carriages, drawn carriages, or what, what are we gonna do? No, 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 you're missing the point. If you see that as identity and your ultimate kind of thing, and, and, and you know whether you're worshiping the material realm, you know it. You sacrifice family, you sacrifice all things to get to those places, then 
you're putting your hope in the material realm. And that is not what we're talking about this morning. The material realm as an ultimate is something that happens after you've denied your creator. God then turns you over and then you begin to worship the creation. That's what it says in the next verse. Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. It always starts at the, because what we see is we'll see it in a minute. We become like those things that we worship. If you're worshiping, if you're a worshiper of Jesus, you're going to become more like him. That's just pretty much Christianity. And if you're, you can go to church and not worship and not really become more like Jesus. There's a lot of people that do that. But if the, whatever you worship, you become like that. And we'll see that in a minute. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. And he kind of finishes this doxological passage. Now, this is very important to understand. We do this, how do we know this? Well, what do we worship today? We worship celebrity. We worship superpower in terms of the mega wealthy. We see it all the time. It's just, if, if now especially with our own handheld personal devices, which I wish mine would explode and go away. I mean, I appreciate the fact that I can stay in touch with you and I get texts and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, I hate social media. I hate it all. I'd rather go back to ding, 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 you know, I'd rather, I, I, even the day of the first internet, you know, when you're checking into AOL, you know, the first days of the internet. I'm like, what is this? Oh, this is amazing. Watch. We'll come back in an hour and a picture will have loaded on my screen, you know. Now we have these handheld devices. And we were, and it just it comes on my news feed. It's, it, and all it is, is it screams, we are a culture so bereft of anything above ourselves that we worship, we're worshiping the creature. We're worshiping the creation itself rather than looking back through the, the beautiful ray, as C.S. Lewis says, back to the creator himself. When I say, if I'm in a golf community and I say the king, I'm a palmer. Now, if I'm in church, hopefully we say the king, and you say, oh, the king, Jesus. If, I, if I'm at an NBA game and I say, well, tonight the king is playing. LeBron's playing? Le Le LeBron is playing tonight? That's what, that's what their names are. If we're at a hockey and somebody says the great one, you know it. Why The, the king, the great one, the goat, the greatest of all time, football, greatest of all time. Yeah, everybody says Tom Brady. Obviously, you didn't see how he played in the division playoff game. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, he's unbelievable, 45. It's, it's, it's staggering, but we elevate. And what we do is we can also then control God. When, when our gods become the creature, we can build them up, and then when we're tired of them, we tear them down. You can do that in religion, by the way, too. You can create your own gods. You can go to church every single Sunday and create your own god, a god that just... Well, he's long-suffering and grace-filled, and you have a life that's not complicit with his will at all. You've created your own God. You haven't created the one. No, not the God we saw in Revelation 4, where everyone is bowing down and thrones and the 24 elders and the crystal and all. Obviously, we create our own gods, but we can make the created order something that we worship, and it will leave you high, and it will leave you dry in the end. It does not work. Through, through the years, I've, I've done this with you. I've gone through the number of people who 
met a level of success. I, I think of, you know, Anthony Bourdain, is that what was his name? And uh, he took his life, suicide. I mean, we re reached, you know, fame and notoriety, and I'm sure he had a lot of money and this and that, or Kate Spade for the ladies who have the, her bags, and she took her life, and it just goes on and on. How can people rise to this level of, uh, that's what we're after. These are people that we're gonna kind of like worship in culture now, and, and they take their own life. I'm, I'm convinced that the created order is not meant for glory, not in, the, not in a kind of a divine way. It makes people... It makes, it's like taking a magnifying glass and say, okay, there's our celebrity, let's put it on there, and the sun comes through it, and then they just almost implode. We're not built for it, but the creator is because he, has, he is without ego. We see the nature of God and his invisible attributes, his invisible attributes, how? Through the created order of Jesus himself, who became part of the created order, and he showed us the invisible attributes as he got down on his feet. Imagine getting down on your knees and washing the dirty feet of these tax collectors and fishermen and others. You know what God's like? You've got to see it played out in the created order. The created order is good in that it reveals the invisible attributes, the eternal power, and the divine nature of the creator of the universe. I need that. Or do you just want... Or do you want us to all live in some kind of fog haze where we're all just spirit beings and somehow we have a vocabulary? How, how would you even have language without any created order to attach it to? And then, but somehow you do and then you just have this list of qualities in the fog of some other fog being? I mean, what would it take? No, we have the created order to help us understand these things about God. That's what we learned, the created order, and God said, and it is good. It reveals the very nature of God. But then you may be saying, well, what about Paul? Not Pastor Paul, but the Apostle Paul. What about the Apostle Paul? It's, he just constantly, he's a continual admonition not to set your mind on earthly things, Jeff. The Bible says this. How, what do you, how do you deal with that? Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, you say, well, this is going to kind of be a, in conflict with what you're saying. Is it though? Do we, well, we need Paul Harvey and now the rest of the story, okay? Philippians chapter 3, here's where he starts. Brothers, join in following my example. Observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. In other words, we're walking in a certain way. We're walking in complicity with the Spirit. And I want you to pattern after us. And I look for people. They're called mentors, uh, very mature believers who are ahead of me in the walk, who are demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. And I like kind of patterning. And ultimately, it's Jesus, but I can see it, facets. And that's why I love the church. I can see facets of that in all of you, that I, especially those that I know well. I see those giftings, that humility, that kindness, that graciousness, and I, and I just love it. And it's just that, now, in the sense that you see that in us, pattern your life after it. And then he says, because there's some people who don't, and listen to these bad people. It sounds like this is an anti-material kind of a conversation he's about to have here. Many walk whom, of whom I often told you and now tell you, and I'm even weeping about this, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Okay, we don't want to be like these guys. What do they do? 
Well, their end is destruction and their God is their appetite and whose glory is in their shame who set their minds on earthly things. Now, last week, or we kind of flowed out of the parabolic teaching of Jesus. We saw that 1 John chapter 2, the love of the world, if it's in you, then the love of God can't be. You can't love the world and God at the same time. Can't love money and God at the same time. Can't, not as an ultimate thing. That doesn't mean get rid of all your money. It doesn't mean get rid of all your cars or any dress that you might like, ladies, or any nice pair of shoes, you know, that you might like, guys. And uh, it doesn't mean any of that. But it could mean that. If you've given your life, if you're like, this is where I'm going to be happiest. Those new pair of shoes. If I could just get that car, if I could just go on that vacation, if I could, they set their mind on earthly things. Well, it's one, if you're looking to the earthly things to give you your ultimate sense of satisfaction, it'll come up dry every time. Now notice, he's gonna follow this with balance. Let's go to Philippians chapter four. So if you just looked at that, said, well, don't set your mind on earthly things. Uh, uh. And we read that and then we, we leave, like I said last week, we leave and then we just say, ah, I don't know. I don't want to set my mind on earthly things, but how can you live life without setting your mind on earthly things? I got, a, I got bills to pay. I, got, I can't just ignore my wife who happens to be an earthly thing. I can't ignore my children or my job or I can't, I can't stop loving playing golf or whatever it is. I, I, I like going to the movie. I like a nice dinner. It's over. You can't set your mind on earthly things. Otherwise, you will be an enemy of the very cross of Christ. Is that what he's saying? Well, again, what's so important is context. Philippians chapter 4, the rest of the letter to the church at Philippi. Listen to what he says. Be anxious for nothing, verse 6. Philippians 4, 6. But in everything, now catch this, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with thank, thanks for what? Thanks for nothing, because I'm an anti-materialist. I live in a hole in the ground. I pop my head out every time, you know, Groundhog Day. I pop my head out, and I look around a little bit. I go, ooh, earthly things, and I pop back down into my hole. Well, for thanks, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus, in Messiah anointed Jesus. This is what... Christ means thanksgiving be thankful for what yes for my salvation and this nasty little hole that I live in that I just pop my head out of every once in a while no he says finally brothers listen verse 8 whatever is true whatever is honorable can you think of any honorable things that are exist in the created order what about a beautifully honorable marriage or a beautiful career that was dedicated and caring and observant and done with excellence and you cared about your employees and you cared about the people around you and you left a legacy. I mean, I think of some corporations out there that do that and they're just wildly successful and they give billions of dollars away to foundations. Is that not honorable? No, that's earthly. Because they're selling hamburgers and chicken sandwiches and whatever, and you can't like earthly things. Whatever's right, 
Whatever is pure is holding your grandbaby for the first time pure. But don't think about that. It's just got to be somewhere in that throne room. Well, through the holding of a grandchild, you look through that and you look back up the rays and it should point you back to the creator. And that's what people don't understand. Maybe you're watching, even on television this morning, and and you're watching and you look back up through those rays, but you don't have anything at the end of the ray because it just is the creature. So you become obsessed with the creature. You become obsessed with it. And in the end, family will fail. Everything will fail and you'll be miserable. But if those moments are draw you through the, that beautiful, pure moment and back to the creator, now you're living. Let me say that again. Now, if you, if you can look at a mountain or a stream or something, I just, the Rockies for me, you know it, or wherever it is, and you can look that and just see nothing beyond it, your experience is momentary and fleeting. It's so much deeper if you can look back to the creator of the stream, of the mountain, of the sunset, of the grandchild. It just changes everything, and if you've never experienced it, you can, but it starts with Jesus. Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, that can be a sporting activity, that can be a great concert, it can be a beautiful violin concerto, it can be anything, and that's excellence, and let your mind rest on these things but no he just said you don't let your mind set on earthly things earthly meaning something as an ultimate as an end unto itself something that's impure and evil and 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 idolatrous yes don't set your minds on the on those things but that doesn't include all the created order if there's any excellence if there's anything worthy of praise dwell on these things of course that includes Jesus on the cross. Of course it includes what we, you know, hopefully do here is worship. It includes all of that. But it also includes the created order that then again sends us back to the, create, the creator himself. Idolatry sneaks up on us. I have to be honest with you, it really can. And I know that, um, you know, from my... my Kind of my whole life, I mean, you know, it was in, never had great cars, and it had some kind of nasty cars, and I started doing a bunch of stuff with BMW, and then I started driving. You know, they're, they're low-end stuff, but I still drive the 3 Series thing now, and all that. And uh, sometimes somebody will bump into it in the garage. Hey, what are you doing? But, you know, it's, I don't and I And I stop myself, and I go, you know what? I, maybe that's a little higher priority than it should be. But there's nothing wrong with enjoying BMW. It's a great driving machine, as they say, <laughs> right? Could I have driven a bicycle and given all that to the poor? I could have. I could have. But I can do pretty much all of it, too. I get, we give a lot, and we love to give. And we love to give. And the Bible teaches generosity. But we're going to we'll finish this now next week, but it... We, I'm, we'll finish with this. Of course, we want to enjoy, but we also take the created order 
and that's money or whatever, we take it, we enjoy it, but we also employ it, and we'll talk about that as well. So Colossians chapter three, verse one, this is pretty obvious. Again, we need to put all this together. Strike a balance. No, of course you don't wanna set your mind on earthly things that are evil and impure. Listen to what he says here in verse, chapter three, verse one. Again, the Apostle Paul, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, this all predicated on you knowing Jesus. Don't be trying this stuff at home, right? You need the, I am the vine, Jesus said, you're the branch, and apart from me, you can't do anything. Not in an ultimate way, not in an ultimate way. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus was clear. It's all in Jesus, so please understand, we are a Jesus community. You may have been, I, 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 was, I did a video this last week and for links, and there was a comment at the bottom that really grieved me to no core. And I don't know who this person is, and they just commented at the bottom, and they said, you know, I wanna, I, something to the effect of, I, I wanna believe in this, and I love this video, but I, I've just had a horrible experience with some stuff, and, and, and boy, he just doesn't want anything to do with Christianity. Maybe you've been burned by bad religion. I, I get that. I mean, I get that. Many of you have suffered at the hands of totalitarianism, even within the context of the church. I'm just saying, that's not Jesus, right? Jesus is, it's all in, for sure, but it's life, and it's joy, and it's peace. It's, it's good. Jesus is good. Chapter three, verse one, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Okay, here he goes again. Don't think about the earth. Think about the things above. Is this, is this just sit around thinking about angels and thrones and crystal and rivers and winged things with eyes in the front and the side and the back? Is that what this is? Only things above. What does he mean by that? Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. I'm not mocking that, by the way. Not, no, no, I'm not mocking that scene at all. It's glorious. But I just can't get through the day sitting there thinking about Revelation 4 all day. I cannot. I mean, I, I am an earthbound agent, and God knows that. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. But it doesn't stop there. We need to finish the story. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body. I'm in a body. I can't get up there now. I can think about it. I can ponder it, but I can't get out of my body until I breathe my last. And when I do, and I'm one year by the book, one year older today. I don't know, I'm a day older, but somehow I'm one year older. And it doesn't bother me at all. It just means I'm closer to having a resurrected body. It doesn't bother me at all. I don't mind getting older. Oh, so, you know, it's great to be young. The world clamors to, be, clamors to be younger. I clamor to be older. My wife can tell you that. The second I turn 60, I'll say I'm in my mid-60s, and the second I get to about 63, I said almost 70. I've always done that because I can't wait to get to the end of my circuit of the sun that we saw last weekend Psalm 19, doesn't bother me to die. I have no fear of death whatsoever. Zero, zero. So I do like to set my mind on the things above. But verse five simply says, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to Im immorality, of course, impurity. That's not worshiping the, the good of the created order. 
That's a miscarriage of justice, right? That is not what you were intended for as impurity and immorality. And I look, I, I wish I hadn't, but I've stu- I, didn't, I did more than stick my toe into that world. It's been a long, arduous process out of immorality and, and impurity and all that. I, I was deeply embedded, and you just don't pop out. I mean, it's a long, arduous sanctification process. Passion, evil desire, and greed, and all this amounts to idolatry. So that's bad. See, there it is, earthly stuff. Be a non-materialist, be an ascetic, whatever it is. But listen what he says. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and them in them you also once walked when you were living in them. Can you enjoy the created order and not live in it anymore? And the answer to that, without any equivocation, is yes. The purity, again, of a grandchild or a sunset or a mountain or a beautiful meal or a house that doesn't leak or whatever is all the created order and it's beautiful and it's revelatory and the Kepler's laws and the spinning planets and the galaxies and the stars, it all just makes me wanna get down on my knees and worship and glorify him. That's not earthly things leading me to impurity and evil desire and passion and greed. Only when they become ultimate. But if you try to go it alone, and you're gonna somehow make the creation your ultimate, maybe it's sex, maybe it's just workaholism, maybe it's fame that you're after, maybe it's something, it will leave you dead on the inside, dead. And Jesus said, I came to give life, and I came to give it more abundantly. Close this in five minutes. So you can say what you want. He's closing. He's just about to close. I know. I've, I hear it all from you out in the lobby afterwards, you know, especially the elders. <clears throat> Chris Herman. Anyway, tell, these are just some, we'll finish this next week. These are a few telltale signs that the created order has moved over into a place of primacy. See, created order leading me to worship God is beautiful. Created order leading me to idolatry is a catastrophe. And I just was thinking this last week, I alluded to it last week, and I said, next week I'm going to give you some telltale signs of, of idolatry where the worship, and I hadn't written any of them down. So I told you I was going to do that, so I had to go back and start thinking of some. Well, number one, I sacrifice, possibly, this is a telltale sign. When I'm sacrificing something, that God designed, maybe marriage or family or even actively employed gifts in, in some kind of missional community or my health or whatever, when I'm sacrificing those in the pursuit of a love of the world emphasis, okay? So if, if I'm starting to sacrifice and I feel myself making all these absurd sacrifice, I'm gonna t- look, it's sacrifice to work. That was part of the curse, you know, the ground, you gotta work at it now. I mean, the ground was cursed. You got to work at it. It's not easy, right, John? I mean, you worked all those years of construction. You didn't get up every day and go, I don't have to do anything today. I don't, you know, I don't have to. it's all easy. I mean, it's hard work doing anything that you do. Put your hand to. 
not talking about that, but when you think that that's gonna ultimately satisfy you, you'll sacrifice everything. What a tragedy to see someone finally, you know, they finally get to the day of retirement and they have a heart attack. Or they get right close to where I'm finally gonna be happy. It's this nirvana of somehow that, you know, and I'm gonna move and buy a second, third, fourth, fifth house in Palm. There's nothing wrong with buying a house out here. We love you, that's most of you. Buy a house, come here. But the reality is, if you think that's ultimately gonna satisfy you, that new house will eventually leak. And that new house will eventually, you'll see a bigger, nicer, faster, more wonderful place and club and this and that. And, but your golf game will start to stink. And you'll eventually, your tennis or whatever, and, and you're, even pickleball. You know, I'm playing pickleball. I can't play that anymore. But then you pop a hammy or pop a Achilles tendon. That's what I hear they do. Because, you know, you know, and in, in the end, you'll, you'll, then you'll play nine holes. And then, and then you play a few and then you play a few with some buddies. Then you go out in the afternoon, hit some ball. Say you're going to go hit some balls, but you'll just be talking to your buddies on the back of the range. <laughs> and then cards used to start afterwards playing a little, you know, playing a little gin and drinking a little gin. And now it's, you start playing gin about 9 o'clock in the morning if you can get up that early. <laughs> and what happens is you get, and I see them, and don't, you cannot fool me. I grew up the country club. I know. I know what that world looks like. And eventually, you walk by that at 9 o'clock in the morning, the guys are already, you know, doing the cards out. And they are not, hey, wonderful, Jeff. It's so good to see you. They're like, what's that you ain't got doing in here? I, you know, I, this is the worst thing in life. It does not pay out. I'm just telling you, it will not. It will not. It is a slow decline. And it is grievous. And yet, I see other people glowing with the glory of the king, the creator, the king. We are in church, the king, Jesus. And they just get more kind and more compassionate. And it's not easy to get old. But they're grace-filled. And they're more like Jesus than they were. And then we'll pick up next week, but I do want to say this. If you live in fear of loss... Now, we, nobody wants to get that call in the middle of the night, and some of you have, and it grieves me, and I know some of you even sitting here today, you've lost a child or a grandchild, or maybe it's money and a, finance, a deal gone wrong. I've told you that. I had a good friend that lost $21 million in the Madoff deal, just got a call one day. Your bank account went down $21 million because it was all a Ponzi scheme. Or... Or, or, so you're fearing you're losing stuff in the market, or you're fearing that you're gonna, you know, and it's an inordinate fear. Now, there's always a concern where we want to have some kind of strategy or something, you know, you, but if you live in a place of fear with family or something, I've just known people, it's shocking. I've known some people, and I'll tell you one, I, I don't know, she's not here anymore, but. She'd sit right down here. For some of you that have been around for a long time, she'd just sit down here. She would worship with hands, you know? And people always say, who's the hand lady down there? You know, so what's she doing down there? And uh, if I had a non-charismatic, I would say, well, she's uh, signing for the deaf down here. But anyway, uh, that's Priscilla Flory. And I've just known her forever. And her, and her husband, Tom, they came to Church of the Red Door, and they'd come in through the season. And Tom was one of the founders of Lynx in the early days. And extraordinary couple and I watched her go through a long brutal tragic kind of end to Tom's life in the scene realm 
but they were happy that he was playing music they were she, you know she mourned but she was she at her at his memorial she could have been there leading people to Jesus she was just content he's in a better place i mean is that just brainwashing or is there something there i'll tell you what was there she had no fear of loss not on this world not of earthly things right money relationships nothing she do you know how liberating that is if i lose my wife i'll just go into a hole if i lose my spouse i'll never i'll just i'll just i won't function anymore i i if i lose my money i'll just jump off a bridge i'm i'm telling you right now that is a telltale sign that you and i love you but that's idolatry it will, if your ultimate is Jesus, he always wins. He'll always be alive. Remember what we read? Forever and ever. If your heart's set on that, oh, you're free. You're free of fear. Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 34, and we'll close with that. Truly close with that. <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 4. Says, I sought the Lord. Do you seek the Lord? Do you even have a Lord? Do you even believe in God? Maybe you're watching. Do you, is there anything? If you got nothing, I sought the Lord. What are you going to do? I sought my bank account. I sought my family, you know. Well, what happens when your family turns their back or they're all killed, like Job's, and they were all killed in this big tragic accident? What'll happen then? Well, you'll mourn and you'll grieve. And some of you that have the ability to seek the Lord, you'll be sustained and you'll actually be productive all the way to the end of your life. Look, I've counseled a lot of people that have lost a spouse. I said, we may have taken your spouse, but he's not done with you yet, so run through the tape. He would have taken you both together, but you're, you're still alive and you're okay and, you're gonna, and you'll see this person again in Christ. Do you go through tragedy? Would you be able to say, and I sought the Lord? Or I saw it, you know, some fentanyl for some people or some kind of opioids or some kind of drink or some kind of, I'm going to play myself to death. I play so much golf, I just forget everything. I saw it the golf course. I saw it the, you know, whatever. Please, I beg you, that is leading nowhere. I sought the Lord and he answered me. Your bank account won't answer you. Jesus will. And he delivered me from all of my fears. All of them. They looked to him and they were radiant. See, when you looked at, Priscilla looked to the Lord during Tom's long process. I was with him just a few days before he passed. He actually lasted a long time. I mean, he got this diagnosis and it was like, oh, Tom's coming out. And he lasted and lasted and lasted. I went up to him one time. I said, brother, why don't you just go ahead? No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that at all. But I'm just saying, she, was, she looked to the Lord, and I'm telling you, Priscilla was radiant till the very end and the day after and today, radiant. They looked to him, and they were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he rescues them. 
And this is one of the most beautiful passages. I've challenged more people. I don't believe in all that stuff. I, you know, and all their arguments and we'll, we'll, we'll do all that, you know. Why is there evil and the creation and what about evolution and what about the authenticity of the Bible and the inerrancy and the, uh, I'm happy to have those conversations. Trust me, I have had them for years, decades. Happy to have those conversations. But in the end, I look them in the eye and I say, you know what the Bible says? At some point, I'm your friend. I had a conversation once in Europe with her. I said, I am your friend, and you know I love you. We were driving along in the car, so I didn't put my hand out, actually, because I was driving. But you know I love you, and here I am all these years telling you this cake is unbelievable. you got to try this cake. It's the most delicious cake you've ever eaten in your life. And you're there going, no, I'm not going to eat that cake. I'm not going to eat that. You don't even know what kind it is. I, I, and I know you like cake. Why won't you eat this cake? I'm, no, no, I just, I, somebody, I just, I don't believe in the cake. And I told him, and I said, you know, at some point, the Bible just says, taste and see, and that's the last part of this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. At some point, and again, you may be watching, you may, at some point, there's an offer to just taste and see. Not religion, not Christendom, whatever that means, because it means so many different things. Jesus, and Jesus said, if you'll, if you'll eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll be part of me. And of course, he's not talking literally. But take the blood of covering where your sins are washed away and then begin to eat. He is the man that's come down out of heaven that will sustain you and give you joy at some point. I challenge you, taste and see. So look, if you've got fear, maybe you're eating the wrong thing. Maybe you're looking for your fulfillment in the wrong place. Looking for satisfaction. Can't find it. Jesus, you say, well, I, you know, I tried that. I've never made anybody that's truly tried Jesus. I'm talking about eating the whole thing and said, ah, didn't like it. Maybe they're out there. I've met a lot of people that met Christianity and this or that or a bad church experience or whatever. But if you try Jesus, taste and see, and you will find that he is good and he will deliver you from all of your fears. And we will complete this next week. So in closing, some of you, maybe, some of you love the last song we closed with last week, didn't you? I mean, people came out, they were in tears. And so uh, we're not going to do that again. No, we are. We're going to do that again. So don't leave. I know. Don't leave. I got a golf game. There's a frost delay. Relax. I'm sure there was a frost delay at your course. So, and if, it, and if you don't know how to tape a ball game by now, come on, give me a break. So we're going to close with this. But now, in light of what we've been talking about, the created order, we, we see through the creation to the creator, Right? but we enjoy the creation. Let me say it again, I love the creation. But I look through the creation and I look to the creator. Let's do that now. Have a great week, by the way. Love you.